They say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? I'm not crazy. hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Truth. This is Hysteria 51. The truth is out there. It's alive. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in, Hysteria Nation, to a very squatchy week of Hysteria 51. That's right. We're coming to you from the lower fourth dimension, also known as Chicago, Illinois, to drill deep. (laughs) Into the mind of one Taylor Gooderson. That sounds like a made-up name. Well, listen, asshole, all names are made up by someone, but that is his real name. Says you. You gotta learn to ignore him or he will press and press until you lose your fucking mind. And then I'll keep going. <laughs> I went through three co-hosts before John ever got to the show. A lot of people don't know that. We all know they <laughs> left because of your quote-unquote handsiness. All right. Uh, enough out of you. The uh, lawyers say we can't talk about that. Anyway, if you are new to the show, that was C about our conspiracy about the robot I made to help with the show, helping the the proper word there. And he kind of just drinks and lies. That reminds me, I have a shipment of bot booze coming later today, so don't run off. I need help unloading. Right. Right. That's going to happen. My name is Brent Hand. He's David Flora. John is still off trying to satiate his newborn's hunger for human flesh. Or, or at least that's what I imagine anyway. I don't know. I don't have kids. You don't have kids either, do you? We got dogs. Hell no. We're dog so, people. Yeah, we're... Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I am a dog person. I, I do not have a dog anymore, unfortunately. But um, Now I'm an asshole. Because yeah, you just no. actually lost... I lost my oldest uh, dog last year. You lost yeah. yours just a couple months ago. I'm so sorry. Now it's a somber episode. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it it is. It's hard to. It's hard to um, miss the obstacles of like uh, getting just incredibly sad these days. You know, there's a lot of. of things I don't know what you're I talking guess. about. The world is just a giggle fest just around us. So sad. I don't know why anyone would be sad about anything going on right now. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, babies eating flesh. I've heard their jobs for that. So yeah, or like wrangling them. Yeah, right, right. I don't uh, know if there's degrees yet, but um, if you, I, it, there's probably like a George Romero school somewhere that that'll teach you how to how to wrangle a a flesh eating child. You know, it's it's a growth industry. I bet Sally Struthers has one of those uh, correspondence schools. Uh, what did you go to? Uh, baby flesh eating? Nah, TV VCR repair, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a correspondence course. I got one of those. Did you know that? <laughs> What's that? I, did you know I have one? I've got a diploma. You told me a while ago, and I, as soon as you told me that you had taken a couple of those, I immediately went on to the place. It's been a year or better, and looked at them, and then I didn't go into any of them. What was yours in again? So I don't know if it even exists anymore, but um, this was probably like 2008-ish. I got the old uh, Stratford Career Institute Diploma for Astrology and Parapsychology. That's what it was. That's right. I I had looked up it or something, but they weren't super cheap when I was looking. You know, I don't know. It was something to do for me at the time. Well, I'm sure. It was probably like 30 bucks a lesson or something, and there's maybe like, I don't know, 10 lessons if that, but... So yes, but so you're a to, parapsychologist. 
in in my defense, I probably would have spent that much money on just the books anyways, and I got a bunch of books from them. So, but yeah, it, it went over like astrology, numerology, palmistry, um, charts, and um, it's super interesting stuff. Um, and when I came out on the other side of it, I was uh, super skeptical. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it was money well invested. Does it and have any like weird, uh, weird uh, letters you can add at the end of your name when you put it out now, like? David I wish, Flora, blah, like blah, Esquire, blah. I, maybe, hmm. Uh, if not, yeah, just I make shit up. A-P-M-D. A- <laughs> yeah, uh, David Flora, R-D-Z. What's that mean? I can't tell you. Yeah, if, well, here, here's a brochure for the Stratford Career Institute. <laughs> That'll tell you. Where did you go, the prestigious Stratford Career Institute? <laughs> <laughs> I could have been an electrician, Brent. Uh, it was no. that or trucking. I Parapsychology. Or, uh, yeah, or trucking. So we, we went with parapsychology. Let's shift I'm trucking it. along with this. Well, we are trucking along this week. Uh, how's that for a, uh, for a yeah, segue that, right there? That's a very, very um, useful and, and, you know, multi-tool of, of a segue. <laughs> we are hunting Bigfoot with the aforementioned Taylor Gooterson. Uh, I love the blurb on IMDb because it truly captures this film. I want to throw this out. It says, a film that skillfully melds the worlds of narrative feature and documentary to capture this portrait of a broken man obsessively pursuing personal and professional redemption in a world where many of those close to him think he's crazy. Mm. That is a really poignant, it sums it up really well, don't you think? Yeah. It's uh, it's a fantastic documentary. What does Taylor tell us about the film, David? He's going to talk to us about uh, some of the behind the scenes that he experienced with it. Uh, it was very interesting learning about what he experienced while going through this because he shot this thing over what, three years or something like that, two or three. And, um, it's just a, a better inside look at some of the characters in this. Now these characters are of course, real people. Um, and you know, they are real people in his local community, which was crazy. Yeah. And, um, everything is uh, of course centered around this gym. (laughs) It's like that's that's the meeting place for everybody yeah. or something. Yeah. I don't know. It's they go main, to the gym, they get their game. squats on, and then they get their squatch on. See what exactly. I did there? That's masterful, right there. You should be ashamed. That's it, that should just, be taught in broadcast. Just add a letter. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, no, he he is super nice. Uh, the like you said, the film's great. It's um it's a really um captivating watch. You know, even even with all the different ones we've watched over the years, I'm sure. This one focuses on the main character, John Green, mm-hmm. uh, who is obsessed with finding a Bigfoot after having had a sighting. And so it's it's more a look at how these people act and treat each other than it is really about finding Bigfoot. Yeah. But there is some interesting hunting that that happens in it i i guess you would say or some interesting finds yeah very much so i think you guys are gonna really enjoy this so i think you should uh definitely go check it out but don't take my word for it you can take the uh, the, the guy who made it because he's coming up and uh real quick before we get to him let's talk about the 800 pound sasquatch in the room <laughs> over under bigfoot is he real or she or they or it whatever you want to call it I, bigfoot yeti 
you know, is there something out there, do you think? I, I really am on the fence. Now, there's a guy in the film um, who's written a book, uh, uh, Pyle, um, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Mr. Pyle. You, you guys might be familiar with him. Uh, he said that he has become more convinced that they are real. But he brings up a point that that is my main sticking point is, regardless of what this is, is there enough of a population to have this species survive? And he said there was something like, what was it, 500 to 1,500 of these stretching from Washington to California or something I think like it was that. saying it would need to be that high to have like there a, at least needs to a be, breeding yeah. population that wouldn't die out because of interbreeding and things like that. I think there's plenty of room for them. To be to to live and not really be seen a lot. Uh, I'm not sure about how much food they need to survive. But then the thing that always gets me is: is there enough to keep a population of these alive? Right, and that's what always makes me kind of skeptical of. of as much as people have seen them, why hasn't one been hit by a car? Other than in yeah, Harry yeah. and the Hendersons or something and like with that, you know, people with the technology of today and people's skill in hunting and tracking. Still nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, there's... I'm kind of with you too. I'll never say no because that's right. You know, uh, but it is as time goes by becomes harder and harder for me to believe. But all these people that are primate researchers go, well, I still it could be, you know. So and not, I don't mean Bigfoot research. I mean more like when they reach out to people who are studying great apes and Steady things like gorillas that. and yeah. orangutans and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, because gorillas were um, a myth for a long time too. Gorillas and uh, yeah, and you look at pandas. You know, look at you know these yeah. things. Yeah, we discover stuff all the time. But I'd probably discover that my pants, at least my underwear, need to change if I actually did run into a Bigfoot. So that's just me, though. <laughs> uh, next up is Taylor Gooderson. He joins us to talk his new film, Hunting Bigfoot. That's after the break on Hysteria 51. Nation, what difficulties did you have with learning a new language in school or whenever you did it? Did you do it through textbooks or did you try to use some weird online thing? I know I took two years in high school and two years in college and I knew nothing. And that's because I wasn't using something like what we have been blessed to have as a longtime sponsor and we use it. Rosetta Stone, they're the most trusted language learning program and it's available on desktop or as an app. And the reason why I enjoy doing it, it immerses you in the language you want to learn instead of just being silly drills and a class you can sleep through. <laughs> I definitely use it. I, I think it's really cool how they have the speech recognition program on there. It gives you the feedback on the pronunciation. Are you making fun stuff. of me because I can never do that? That's what you're getting at right now. That's <laughs> what it, it's like. What are you trying to do? Do it right. <laughs> Uh, but it is really cool. They've got all kinds of lessons. You can do it uh, offline. You don't even have to be online for it. That is great because it's right there in your pocket or at your home and you can do it. You got 15 minutes. Let's go to town. Let's do it. You know, and mm-hmm. it's amazing value. Lifetime membership has all 25 languages available for any trips. You need language in life. You need to brush up on stuff. Maybe you just met a girl or a guy or a non-binary and they're from uh, somewhere else. Someone, you know, who knows? Well, if they're in the one of the 25, Rosetta's going to work for you. <laughs> you get lifetime access to all of that. And there is a 50% offer. So it is a steal. 
So don't put off learning language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Hysteria 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for that 50% off that I just told you about. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. A today. Welcome back in Hysteria Nation and welcome in Taylor Gooderson. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And uh, it's nice you can be inside talking to someone and not traipsing through the Pacific Northwest up to your <laughs> your knees in, in muck and mire. So yay for you right now, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, the muck and mire seems to get worse every year these days. So Right, excellent. Yeah, I, before we get going... I want to say I start. I want to start by saying when I got into this, as soon as when I mean by getting into this is when I started when I went to watch this documentary. I assumed it was going to be I was going to be watching one type of doc, and I was surprisingly and welcomely something different. It wasn't just another let's find Bigfoot film that there's a ton of. It was kind of a deep dive into like the psyche of those that spend their lives hunting it, and especially John Green. That was a great. Did you uh, did you start out to make that? Or did it just turn into that? Yeah, going into it, I I wanted it to be a study of, of those those people who are obsessed with proving the existence of, of Sasquatch. That was my intention going in, much more than a movie trying to perhaps prove or disprove if you know if Sasquatch is out there. It was really about the people. And in this case, in particular, John Green. Well, what's your background? Have you have you done a lot of this type stuff before, or or where was this coming from? Yeah, I've made a number of films before. This was my mm-hmm. fourth film. Uh, none of my prior films uh, were of this topic of, of Bigfoot, but I had moved. Um, you know, seven years ago, I moved to North Bend area, um, and just from from Seattle. But it's it's different out out here. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with with this area, but um, there's a lot of people very enthusiastic about um, Bigfoot out here. And I joined Mount Sai Sports and Fitness, um, which is you know you've seen in the movie. Ben Cochran is the owner; he's in the film, and just sort of became aware of a group of people that is really interested in this. And I became fascinated with it. And I, I naturally like to hike and be in the outdoors. And so when I was thinking about doing a fourth film, um, it seemed like a natural fit. Right. So being a uh, member of that gym, is that what led you to uh, find John himself? Actually, no. Um, it led me to, to be aware of a lot of the other characters and people that you see in the film, Ben Cockman, a lot of the other people that present stories. Um, but John himself, I actually knew uh, prior, uh, not not associated with the gym, with the gym. I knew he had a keen interest in um, in Sasquatch. I didn't actually know it was to the level that it is, um, but I, I knew he, he was interested. In, and when I was looking for sort of subjects to to follow and you know, document, um, I reached out to him and the more I got to know him, the more I sort of decided he, he should in fact be the central, central piece of it. Yeah. He was a fascinating character, character study, all that, you know, and for everyone listening at home, 
um, he had a sighting and now he's spending his life literally chasing another, another experience. And in the film, you mentioned that, um, men, and I say men because one of the people you talked to said this, it's mainly, you know, men instead of women that kind of have an experience and then let the hunt for another become like all consuming, almost like destroy their, their normal everyday lives. Do you feel like in something like that, when we're looking at John or these people, is it validation even to himself or, or belief, or why is it so important for these people that are out there hunting that spend every waking moment in this pursuit? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good question. I mean, I think it's a little different nuance perhaps for, for everybody doing this, but there was a common, a common theme that maybe I've picked up on. I would say more than anything, um, it, it gives some of these people a deep meaning and um, objective and goal in life and really something to live for. And I think, I, I know this may sound a little a little strange, but I, I think for some of these folks, if they <laughs> actually were to to discover um, something or, or Bigfoot or, or whatnot, and and the search and the quest ended, that it may potentially even be a a negative for them. Um, hmm. I, I know if, if someone were, were to bring forth evidence of Bigfoot, that that would be uh, global news. Right, right, right. But um, it's really about the quest. Yeah, the it's all about the journey instead of the destination kind of thing. It, and it brings them tremendous meaning in, in in real authentic meaning to them from what I, I gathered. I wonder for John in particular, cause he, he experienced a lot of loss and pain in his life. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if this was kind of turned into a focus for his grief and that pain, you know, to, I don't know if, I don't know if I'd say take his mind off of that loss and that he experienced, but it gave him something like you said, Taylor, a, a, a goal in life, right? Yes. John is a very interesting sort of study because on, on one hand, um, I, I completely agree with you. The, the search and, and the goal here gives him, gives him meaning and it's a way to cope. It's clearly a way to cope with a lot of the trauma he's had in his life. Mm-hmm. But then on the, the other side of that, John, in my estimation, truly believes that he has had an encounter or perhaps multiple encounters. And in, in his, in his mind, it's, it's not, you know, made up. And so um, there, there's really sort of those, those two sides. It is a way to cope, but if, if a person truly believes themselves that they have, have seen something um, there's sort of another layer, you know, beyond if, if that makes sense. An interesting thing that you just said was the believing that he had this, the belief of it. You showed so much infighting between these people that are there doing this. It really kind of blew my thing. It, uh, Bigfoot experiencers seem to detest one another or like he said, I don't believe them. They're lying. They'd say, oh, he's lying. He's full of shit. This and the other. Or he's not from here. Right. Or, you know. Why are they so quick to dismiss each other in such a small, close-knit area there of these people that were there? Because that was fascinating to me that they're just like, ah, screw that guy or screw this guy or I don't <laughs> believe you. 
Yeah. You know, in talking to Bob Pyle, who you, you see in the piece, um, and he wrote the book, Crossing the Dark Divide, um, he is much, much more of an, an expert in this than I am. I, I'm really just familiar with, you know, these people that I've followed here. I've not really studied this. At, but in talking with him, and, you know, I have hours and hours of interview, you know, footage that didn't make the movie. He talked in great detail at one point about this very topic, about this infighting, about how so many of these Bigfoot obsessives believe they are the one that has had the encounter or will be the one to prove it. And, and they view others as a threat to them. And it's very common oh, yeah, to have okay. this, this sort of infighting between them. Again, it's not universal. Um, ben Cockman and John Green uh, were friendly in the film. They're friendly now. Um, mm. They're both, you know, on the on the same journey at, at different levels, maybe, and and they're very friendly. So it's not necessarily universal, but it there's certainly a lot of of sort of bickering and trying to disprove or dismiss someone else's experience to validate your own in this community. Yeah, it it was an interesting, I guess, eye opening to me because I hadn't really thought about that. And even when the, he goes with a small group to go put out trail cams, and the first time someone wants to put out a cam, it, it degrades into fighting within minutes. And yeah, like, that was wow. pretty funny. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> and it seemed like the the way he presented it, the the guys that set up the trail cams there next to the road got more footage than John did. Is that is that right? Well, they they're. So that group, their strategy was to use trail cams. And John hadn't got into trail cams until he sort of teamed teamed up with them. The, I think one of the most you know humorous moments in that for me, and it, again, it's not really seen in the film. There, there's a hint. There's a hint at it at one point when they're you know they're having dinner and they're arguing, and and John says, "I know you've caught the cougar on it," and then he goes on and, and talks more. And there's not really context for that statement, but earlier. Um, they were trying to to suggest that the fact that they'd caught the cougar on the trail cam was somehow indication that Bigfoot would be next. And um, <laughs> there's no logic to that. And so when John, <laughs> when John later, I pulled him out and he's in, he, I'm interviewing him and he's all kind of wound up. That was kind of the context for why he's like, these people don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> well, this guy, John, the thing I love, you're out in the woods with him and you're like, he's like, you hear that? You're like, yeah, that squirrel. He's like, nah, it's Bigfoot <laughs> behind that stump. You're like, John, that's a fucking squirrel. <laughs> He's like, no, <laughs> you're just, you're just blowing me off. He's right behind here, and he's like, well, and then he puts me. words in your mouth, too. right? Right. It's got to, yeah. Be, oh, it's frustrating. I, I'm sure to, to deal with that at sometimes. Well, as the the time went on with with John, I mean, over the course of three years. um, we, I mean, I, I honestly, in many cases became, you know, became frustrated to a degree with him. Uh, that wasn't really, really a case. In that particular case, he said he heard something and I really didn't hear anything. And right. then that squirrel goes off. Some people <laughs> in, in, in the, in the, you know, the, the screams we've had think I dubbed that squirrel in. I didn't dub anything <laughs> in that, that squirrel was there. And, um, huh. and, and, and yeah, and then he gets, you know, upset with me because i questioned him a little bit and, and then later in the film I, I really you know start to question him more yeah um 
but he can be very, you know, he's very moody. Uh, he'd be very kind. He's also extremely kind and gentle and, and nice on the other side of that. I like the one part where Bob Pyle says, you know, if people aren't used to outdoors, uh, the sound of a, of an owl could really, you know, set them off and think they heard Bigfoot or whatever. And it, I think he's spot on with that statement. Yeah. You, if you don't know what an elk or a, uh, elk are horrible. Yeah. You know, or, a. uh, Bobcat, you know, if you hear some of these things, mm-hmm. it's terrifying. Then you go, oh, okay, well, now I know what it is. It's still terrifying to hear them, <laughs> but it's not, it's not, uh, the primate as, as John always right. wanted to call it. Was that a, calling it a primate, uh, Taylor, was that just to legitimize it to not like, to not call it Bigfoot? Cause you always said the primate or the primates almost like exclusively, it felt like. Yeah. So John early in the film within the first five minutes, he, he tells his, the story of his, you know, encounter about 10 years ago at that point in time. Now it's about 15 years ago today. But, um, uh, again, I have probably near an hour of him trying to tell the story and what's actually in the cut is only a few minutes, but he constantly refers to it as a primate because when he goes into his description of what he saw, it isn't actually consistent with what, a lot of us, I think. Yeah. He said it was like six foot tall and very scrawny. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it sort of turned into Bigfoot when he started asking people about it and talking about it and things. And it was like, okay, it must be Bigfoot, but he refers to it as a primate because he, I think he feels like that's more representative of what he actually saw, which is a little (laughs) weird, but. Well, speaking of uh, what he saw in, in Finding and Throwing Shade, he had uh, one of the local artists do a representation. And one of the biggest FUs was she's like, well, I drew it. I made it look like a stump because she's like, that's what I'm pretty sure you saw, a fucking stump. It's <laughs> like, holy cow, that's rude as hell. It was, <laughs> it was so rude. And right John is so pissed off about that. Um, yeah. He calls it, that, is that why you painted the stick insect? Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> man yeah it was it was interesting that whole group no I, touching on relationships and this is something that was very quickly touched on probably because you saw it and then glossed over uh, i have to ask john and ben they talk about being you know some of the women in their lives and partners and they're both seen with women is it kind of a swingers group up there that was kind of what you alluded to in my book but i couldn't really feel i couldn't get a feel for it Oh, the swingers group. Um, well, I, (laughs) I would say that, um, there's a lot of free spirits that float around the gym. Uh, maybe swingers is the wrong term, but, uh, yeah, I mean, swingers, I think of like sort of planned. Right. Yeah. Yeah, That's probably the more like a free love freedom and, uh, free love flowing around for sure. (laughs) A lot of, lot of hormones. <laughs> it's it's kind of like a high school almost. Right. I mean, but you were the thing that you went out in the wilderness over and over again, like you said, for like three yeah. years, for days at a time, setting up cameras, doing his brand of, of tracking. What's it like to go into the woods with someone that you don't really know for days at a time to go hunt this, this primate? Yeah. I mean, I didn't actually start going on, you know, deep tracks with, with John or even Ben until we were, I don't know, a good six months, maybe even longer into Mm -hmm. the actual filming. So I I had got to know them 
you know, a bit more. And I'd already known Ben before filming anyway, and John a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's different once, once you're out there. I, I, you know, I take care of my, myself. I have all my own sort of accommodations. I travel real wide. Um, as sort of the filmmaker and the storyteller, I actually try as hard as possible. And it's difficult not to interfere with what they would be doing if I wasn't there. Yeah. Right. And that's very important. The more you you interfere with their reality, which you do tremendously just by being there with a camera. Sure. I mean, tremendously, you're changing the total dynamic. But I try my best to to not be there as much as possible. And so even when we're out there, um, I, I'm not right next to them. Um, I give them their space. Um, in fact, I try not to really even socialize with them much at all beyond when I'm filming. Um, yeah. because I, I, I want to keep, I want to keep them in their world. I don't want to interfere. So, um, it, it's not like it's, it's not, not like a group, you know, we're a single group going out there together as a team or something. Yeah. I, I like the part where you're, you're out there in that muck and mire, like we said, and, and he's like frustrated and, and he's like, well, if you weren't here, I would have gone this way. And you're like, but I'm following you. Like, what, what yeah. is me being here doing to to your decision making? Like, what what's that about? That was a fun part. That was he was at, at such a a rough place there in, mentally at that mm. moment. That was you know shortly after they'd sort of got denied from a, a scientist they were trying to work with up in Alaska who just completely dismissed what they found after after hearing that they were interested in Bigfoot, he was really frustrated. And in that case, he was just, you know, venting at me. I mean, what, what he's actually saying there again, makes no rational sense. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, and, you know, I would get frustrated too, as you could hear <laughs> in my response. And when I was going through all the footage, it, I actually determined that including some of those moments was important. Um, to, to sort of acknowledge my presence in certain situations. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it, I thought one thing you did really well is from the beginning, just of that, that, you know, few years you're with them, you saw kind of, they were trying new things and trying to decide what their approach. And I'm using air quotes here scientifically. Um, one of the reasons I'm saying that is um, speaking of like their brand of research, they found some hair and brought it in for analysis and he saw a broken tree and he's like, obviously the primate did this, this is the only thing they could have. And he's told immediately by a biologist that it's horse hair and they're like, nope, it was Bigfoot. You know how that's, and I love that the, the biologist you were interviewing me is like, that's not how science works. They're coming yeah. in with a preconceived notion. That's something that we talk about here a lot is. Just because you want it to bias. reach to mean something doesn't mean it is. That's not how the scientific method works, but it's frustrating. And in a lot of cases of these conspiracies, these things, or Bigfoot here, um, they're going after a a specific answer instead of just finding out what it could be. Yeah, they're starting at the end instead of the beginning. Right. And working backwards. Yeah, and it's. I think that is very common in in so many people, whether it's Bigfoot or any, anything else that you may believe in or prone to believe in, if it's true or not true, if, if you're susceptible to thinking something, people will naturally just seek answers to, to prove that. And in some cases, um, dismiss 
uh, other evidence along the way that may be counter to it. Right. Yeah. Well, and yeah. as you saw, as you guys, he was denied some, some stuff, as you said, from these other scientists and it changed. And all of a sudden you, you talked about how you even started denying your quests requests to go out into the, the woods with him. And then there was kind of a change because one thing you talked about, John had abandoned his children literally on this pursuit. At one time he hadn't seen them in years. His daughter blamed his illness, this illness of doing this. The son kind of hinted that he thought he was an alcoholic or it still had been. And then he had a reconciliation, so to speak. His wife had passed from cancer. That was obviously uh, a big loss. He was a millionaire. He lost all his money in the stock market crash and, and bad dealings. It was hard to see just someone broken like that. If it wasn't for Bigfoot, do you, I'm sure it would have been something else. Don't you feel like he would be holding on to something this hard because he needed, um, uh, I don't know, like a, a something focus. to hunt, so to speak? Absolutely. If it, if it wasn't Bigfoot, it'd be it'd be something else that he would be obsessed with, something that would be giving him him meaning. One thing in talking to John about his backstory and and others that knew him, it, it's evident to me that no matter what he's done in life, whether it had been his his t shirt, you know, his shirt business in LA is of licensing, you know, cartoons and comics and which he just made an absolute killing doing. Or when he moved to the Pacific Northwest, he became a land developer and knew nothing about land development going in. And this is when he was in his mid 40s to 50s. I mean, nothing. Somehow he learned how to work through all the, uh, you know, all the licenses and things with counties. And I mean, that is complicated. <laughs> Right, a complicated area, and he figured it all out, and and it was quite successful. Going in, all in, all or nothing, no matter what. In that, in. yeah, until two thousand eight, the you know that kind of came down on him. And no matter what he's done, he's just been all in, hundred percent. And right. I, I think this is no different. It's interesting, you know, the stock market crash, you know, hundred years ago, people were jumping out of windows. He jumped out of the proverbial window into the wilderness. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not that big of a difference. He's not committing suicide, but he's he's really going out and just just ditching his life that he had because of of the crash and losing everything. I think that's the most obvious, clear way to view why he is, you know, where he is. That that right. he had this he had this sighting in the same year that um you know 2008 2009 ish during the financial meltdown the housing crisis the stock market crash i mean it was it was crushing the people that were in you know development and he was actually in the building houses too i mean it, it devastated him he lost everything and so it, i asked my my myself this the whole time if he truly did have a, a experience what are the odds that it would have happened then this right. this timing. I mean, it just seemed a little a little coincidental. But I still don't like to completely just say that the stories he's making is are are, are made up. Right. Well, you can't. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. One of the things that you know happens in there is speaking of stories, you're not sure is you're not with him for a while, and you see him again, and he's like, I had another experience. Saw two of them, and I got I got <laughs> my camera, and I took photos. And you're like, all right, let's see him. Oh, my camera's dead. So then you go back in to charge it. Oh, they're not on here. Oh, well, the SD card, the memory card's messed up. How frustrating. Don't you just want to scream? And he's just all nonchalantly 
well, I guess I didn't get the photos is what it seemed like. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because that's the, about the time in, in this journey when I, for the first time, I became frustrated with them. Up until then, I, I, I really didn't all that much. You don't really hear me, um, you know, saying, saying, you don't really lot. hear you in the whole thing other than the, the squirrel. And then, then when you're like, you can see, you're just like, fuck this guy. Yeah. <laughs> but when he said he saw two of them, I mean, up until, up until then, I was basing this all off of the fact that he claimed this sighting 10 years ago in, and the way he tells it so specifically, this primate and scrawny, I mean, it's just so, you listen to it and it, it just, it makes you wonder a little bit. It's not like some of the other stories where it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah. So when he brings up this, you know, I saw two of them and they're not on the camera, that's just more consistent with these Bigfoot stories you hear that are just like, whatever, I'm right, not going to yeah. get that two seconds of my time. And so when I heard that, I got frustrated because I felt like, John, you're, you're lowering yourself doing that. Yeah. You're, you're, if, you, if you had anyone maybe believe in you before, you bring this into it, you probably don't anymore, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, you said something that was absolutely, sp- I'm like screaming it at the TV, and, he, and you said it, was... You're, he goes, well, I took the photos. You're like, then why didn't you leave immediately? Like, yeah. and like take these photos. You know what I mean? Like, that's what you're getting at. Like, why are you here? Right. You know, <laughs> sitting with a dead camera that supposedly has the missing evidence that will blow the whole case of Sasquatch, Bigfoot, whatever you want to call it, the primate wide open. And he's just like, uh, I got rain in my tent. Look how dirty it is. <laughs> uh, it's so exactly. I find him out there um, in a horrible condition um, and he claims to have this evidence and he's just sitting out there in the rain. I mean, it just, there's, yeah. he clearly has problems, you know, but mm-hmm. he doesn't have it to the extent that if he truly had something on there, he wouldn't be somewhere else. Right. 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 But by far one of the most interesting things that's brought up, and I think this will would go for skeptics and believers alike, is when they did that little tracking uh, tape thing and followed it, you know, it took off one day and they're like, let's go. And it was a hard trek and they found they finally found it you guys saw it in uh, a pile of scat yeah they they use tracers which are little you know small little microchips that you can hide in food and if an animal eats it you can track it and then they were tracking the animals and moving then it quit moving when they got up to it when they caught up to it it was in a a pile of, of, of feces yeah yeah so out of everything that we did you know over the court you know the few years that's sort of the one thing that I suppose creates some, you know, the most, the most questions. I, I think usually when people say the most, you know, what's that saying? The most <laughs> obvious, you know, explanation is probably what it is. It's probably, probably just, uh, you know, an animal, <laughs> some kind right, right. um, but yeah, so they bring that, they, they brought that to, to Jeffrey Hughes and a friend of, of Jeffrey Hughes, who um, Jeffrey Hughes goes to the gym. He's, a supposed biologist, according to Ben and and John. Again, as a filmmaker, I don't. I, I, I'm not like a reporter for the New York Times or something. I'm not. I'm not. Um, 
You're not vetting these people. You're just no. letting them tell their story. I'm just following their story and see where it goes and take it or leave it. But according to Hughes, um, <laughs> there legitimately is some mystery around <laughs> around this scat. Um, That's when it kind of got yeah. crazy to me, you yeah, know, because yeah. you're talking about like, well, this scat had 23 pairs of human chromosomes, but researchers weren't able to identify the the identity. Then they start saying, well, it could be this inbred tribe of humans. And I think it was you that on there that you're like, what are you saying? <laughs> like, that's a fucking statement. And they're like, I'm just saying it could be something. I was so confused with what they were saying. And I felt like you were too, as they were trying to explain it to you. It's very difficult to understand what, what they're saying. And, um, I even asked a question or two during that, mm-hmm. you know, session mm-hmm. because, and then I tried to restrain myself because I, I, again, felt like I was interfering too much, but I couldn't help myself because it was just a little, a little too much, but no, Jeffrey Humes says that that, that scat is, is from a human. Now, if you look at it, it doesn't look like it's from a human. Well, and it also looked like it was like a giant, looked like a horse dropping or bear dropping. Yeah. Yeah, but he he says no that the, the the that it's not. And um, where actually they've conducted, um, uh, you know, at what lab or however they they you know concluded this, I have no idea. I have mm. I do not know where they've come up with this. But but Hughes is, is convinced that it's that it's that of a human, um, but that there's something in the RNA that is difficult to explain. Hmm. Uh, the best way he could explain it to me is the difference between an Englishman and an Irishman that typically you can, you know, from, you know, if you do like 23 and me or something, you can tell your genetic, you know, you came yeah. from Switzerland or, you know, I don't know, whatever he says with this, you can't actually figure that out. Um, again, this is one guy, one right. from, I don't know. And, and this so, is, uh, this is also the guy that, really relies on his nose to tell him yeah. what's going on. Smell that? It's equine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so the way the tribe came around, he said that in South America, that there's unidentified, undiscovered tribes that have been recently discovered, which is, think about that. For Oxymoron. A <laughs> um, <laughs> I know. They were and, the last place we looked, who would have thought? <laughs> yes. And that that could be an explanation for why they couldn't determine the origin of this RNA, that if there was, you know, some sort of, you know, group of, I don't know, natives still out here. It, natives I, that are opening and eating food and climbing up cliffs. Yeah, and I mean, this is, mouth, you know? this is why I wanted to make this film. Is, is this, this, what we're talking about exactly from being in this community, in this gym, the quirkiness of it. The, the the culture of you know this group is what I wanted to you know to document. Yeah, I, I yeah. Think you, it, when you stand back and you know try and kind of make make litigate it, perhaps make sense of it. it, it, it don't bother. You, you know that's what I. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is it is funny and it's absurd. But at the same time, you, you I try you know I don't want to ridicule these people either. You know I don't or, think it came off that way. That's what I was saying no. in the beginning. Is I I went into this and I, I told. I told David when we were talking yesterday, I said, I went into this expecting one thing and it was different. And I was very happy because it was such an entertaining look, 
not in the way that I was expecting. And I mean that in a, in a very genuine and good reason from a good place. It was so entertaining because you're seeing these people that are doing it and it's not hunting or it's not finding Bigfoot. You know, it's not this scripted, weird, same junk and they're not screaming out there and knocking on trees and running after every noise. You're really seeing and doing kind of a deep dive where the event you're not into the psyche of these people. And it was more about that. And it just so happened that they were yeah. hunting Bigfoot. <laughs> well, I'm glad you saw it that way. And I, uh, you know, thank you for your words. Cause that's, you know, that's, that was my intention was, 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 was to do that. Not just to make a, right. you know, is Bigfoot out there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't Taylor, know if he is, but there's some inbred cousins out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're pooping all over the place. Sure. The hills have scat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Taylor, I, w- I was wondering, um, crew wise, is it just you? Are you are you cinematographer, director, editor, everything? Uh, in this film, yes. So this film, I I did absolutely everything other than the music. Um, the music, uh, Richard Stewart here locally. Um, um, did a beautiful score for the film. Um, but in terms of the actual production, uh, editing, that was all, all myself. I got, I got to say, man, like the shots are gorgeous. The way it's edited is, is just smooth, uh, smooth as butter. It, I mean, it's, it's great. You did a great job. Thank you, sir. Appreciate, appreciate that a lot. Yeah. And not to sound like a broken record to some of our people that are watching, but we've had a We've had a bad run of some of the things we watched, and then you and a, this one and a couple others we've really enjoyed. Uh, it's kind of a, a a great breath of fresh air, you know. Yeah. Uh, documentaries like this that are being put out because it was it was a, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, well, thank and you. Well made. Fun. And yeah, thank you. What's up next for you? Do you have anything else in this genre or any other genres that that you're working on? Yeah, well, um, I mean, right now I'm working with with Xenon and Lee Savage and Tom Garay on on promoting this, and it's mm-hmm. that sort of center right now. But um, yeah, I have ideas for what to do next. There's a possibility we may continue uh, hunting Bigfoot. I mean, John Green is still still out there uh, searching. In fact, since the screening, I mean, since the film has came out, it's actually prompted a number of other people in this you know community to to meet him and tell him of other, you know, things to let, he was actually out just a couple of weeks ago out in Cleelum and Ellensburg on some leads. And, uh, of course I'm not out there documenting it anymore, but, um, I may pick it up back up again. I mean, the story's not over with him. So that's, that's a possibility. And then I, I've recently finished a script that, that centers around a, a story on a cryptocurrency obsessives. Oh yeah, um, hmm. and I have a, an idea for that, and I may pursue that also. So, um, those are things I'm looking at next. Well, that's great. You said this is coming out on February 15th. Is that when you said it's available? Soon? Yeah, digital release is coming out February 15th. Um, on uh, right now, you can pre-order it on uh, Apple, iTunes, movies, downloads. Uh, mm-hmm. I also believe it will be available, from what I've heard, from Xenon on Amazon Prime and uh, Hulu. Uh, I have to verify that, but I think that's the case. Great. Well, we'll have, we'll have links in the show notes for everyone. And well, Taylor, thank you so much for joining us and thank you so much for making uh, a very enjoyable, very enjoyable documentary uh, about uh, Bigfoot and, and the the psyche of the people that are, that are hunting them. Hey, thank you both for the great, you know, conversation. Absolutely. Much, much appreciated.
Thank you, Taylor. Well, we hope to see you again the next time, and we'll be right back with more Hysteria 51. So that was uh, Taylor Gooderson. That was uh, a great conversation, man. Uh, it really is a a very enjoyable film to watch. Not <laughs> what I was expecting, and I, I hope it comes through that that is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. These guys are absolutely. fucking batshit crazy and entertaining to watch. I mean, they were <laughs> fucking crazy, dude. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, and I, I hated to say this way, like in one scene, you got this girl, there's this one girl that's kind of an ever presence and then she's like laying on John and the next one she's laying on Ben. And then it goes into how Ben is after anything that'll fuck him kind of. And then you find out that they'll bang this broad all the time. And then they show Ben at work and he's like hugging his employees. Oh, he, no, closely. Brent. No, he's not hugging them. <laughs> he is a groping, groping? them. <laughs> it's awful. I'm sorry. I I don't. I'm not laughing at sexual harassment. I'm laughing at the absurdity uh, that he gets away with this. Literally, it was interesting, and also the whole time that I'm watching these guys uh, separately out in the field doing their science, I couldn't help but think it's almost as if you've been doing too much science. Too much science. Is that possible? <laughs> Not in that case, it wasn't possible. <laughs> it was just so... It's like Reddit science. I think why I liked this so much, and it's, you can feel through the camera, Taylor getting frustrated with these people over this huge span of like three years. Sure. Man, it's it's interesting. I'm glad you pointed out how they squabbled with each other. Like the guys that are from the area, um, you know, they, they claim... You know, we've lived yeah. here, we've grown up here, yeah. we know everything about the outdoors there is to know. This guy's from England. You know, he doesn't know shit. And so they're squabbling, like, almost immediately. Well, why are you doing this? Well, why are you putting that camera there? Well, what? where are we now? We haven't, you know. He's shitting in the woods and bathing in puddles. <laughs> Literally, it's something I think they say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... It, you're you're absolutely right. It's amazing that and and I think that speaks volumes to the I guess veracity of the whole conversation of hunting Bigfoot and have you seen this? What you know this and that everything goes goes back to man. They can't even agree amongst themselves. So therefore, you know something's given somewhere. Something's not right on on you know, some connection there. So I read into it what you will, but if you want some help, it's crazy. It's all just crap. <laughs> it was interesting to say the least. And then uh, Taylor brought this up and you kind of, you see it where it goes down that road of, did this guy really have a experience or did he have a breakdown? And is he out mm -hmm. there because he's hunting Bigfoot or because he's yeah. running away from the world. And he could have actually th maybe seen it, and he could have thought he saw it. I don't know if it matters. You know what I mean? Um, but it was interesting that it was right, six foot right, tall and scrawny. Right. And, uh, and that 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 old broad yeah. in, the, in the little paint art store, it's just like, I drew it like a stump, because I'm <laughs> sure that's what you saw. 
a stump. And you know, he was he was like, fuck you, yo bitch. You know, it didn't come oh, out that way, could, but he, yeah, he was like yeah. so angry. He's absolutely like, it's not a stump. Yeah. <laughs> You're I'm a sure stump. shit on her doorway uh, that evening, and we're not sure who it was. Uh, How did you feel about the whole inbred talk? Like, here is poop. <laughs> like, that's, that is such a stretch. That is such a weird, long stretch. Um, I would, uh, if it were me, I would say it's Bigfoot before it's that. Right. And I, I love that Taylor was like, I started to ask questions and I realized I'm not supposed to be doing this, but they were just going about it the wrong <laughs> way. You know, and why wouldn't they send that then to, th- this is possibly if true that it's Bigfoot or if it's true that it's some lost tribe, both of those change our understanding of the world immensely. Uh-huh. I think that you yep. would send it off for more testing. Now, they did talk at the very end how they'd reached out and more groups were going to come, and this ended right in the middle of 2020 when COVID was taking over. Yeah, That does put a little bit of a fork in things, and including some of the, the testing for DNA because you had places shifting over to more COVID testing and other testings. So that could have had an issue with some of this, but it also could have just been a convenient excuse. Exactly right. Exactly right. And that's frustrating to say the least. And I love it. He said, he goes, I don't vet these people. This is just a documentary. (laughs) (laughs) You'd like to believe them. Um, But it it was from the get go with the, the first guy, the biologist, um, It was interesting hearing Taylor talk about how, well, he hinted at the fact that he was like, is he a biologist or, you know, does he just like run around in the woods some? He he barehanded, stuck his hand into a bag full of shit and started squeezing it and being like, that doesn't feel like any normal shit to me. You know, and 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 uh, feeling it, smelling it, looking at it, observing it—that's that's um, all fine. That's inbred. Sure, yeah, sure. But like, <laughs> he literally with that horse hair, he was like, "You smell that? That's equine." Yeah, he looked at it under a microscope like, after he'd already decided. Really, yeah. You're like, well, how do you know it's horse hair? What? Well, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, it's fine to smell. That's part of it. That's a sense sensory thing, but. You can't just take something, smell it, and say, yep, this is what this is. Done. That's science. (laughs) One, two, skip a few, it's horse hair. Yeah, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now give me a hundred. Oh, man. Um, Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, you know, on the whole, it's very interesting. I love the idea of taking one of those tracers and seeing what happens. Um, It would have been great. And, And these people aren't the most well-off folks, you know, or else had they had they had access to, I don't know, maybe a drone with a camera, they Mm -hmm. could have maybe caught that thing as it was running. Well, at one point, as it was getting away, it was a quarter mile. Then it was only like two or three hundred yards up when it stopped to take said crap. And um, yeah, yeah, it was a little bit where you're just like, man, I um, I got frustrated and as I'm sure you did want yeah. to be like ah go do this differently yeah yeah try yeah try it again or take at least one water bottle with you i don't know well, we gotta get going but, because he's dehydrated ah god damn it <laughs> yeah right 
it's it's yeah i if it were i so so you know this is a learning experience somebody's gonna see this and say okay let's try it a little better let's take a tracer let's take a drone and have that thing ready to fly you know we didn't explain so tracers they're, they're little strips with a um a chip in them and it's like gps tracking so you have a small I know it looks almost like a stopwatch. It, it's almost it's like half a finger long or something, yeah. right? He shoved like, it into an it's apple. It's a knuckle that long. They, they'd cut and it, it, it disappeared. Mm-hmm. You know, and so yeah, yeah, it made sense. Though you would have thought if it was a human being eating that, they would have bit in, tasted that thing, and spit it out because it was a long strip of metal or whatever. Right. So I don't know. It is what it is. <sighs> it's interesting. It it's definitely interesting. Um, I I. I don't think it was. Uh, um, it's it's probably stupid to even say it. I I, I never once thought it was hoaxed. No, uh, I didn't because either. they they real. really, yeah, it felt completely real. Even you know finding the scat and everything felt real. But you were right. Like the scat didn't look human. It looked you know like they had little clumps and like flat piles mm-hmm. and yeah. So, and when he was feeling it, the biologist, it looked like it had hair in it or something fibrous mm. um and maybe maybe i'm wrong but the the movement they were saying he was like it's zigzagging it's going straight up the slope mm. i mean wolf or or coyote in those parts maybe i don't know yeah. you know could could possibly and he said i mean his his smell test ruled out herbivore <laughs> he goes you smell that no way it's a herbivore. Like they looked at him even they looked at him like, What dude? <laughs> it's like, but he ate an apple. Yeah, yeah. Eh. Omnivore. Omnivore. Let's just let's go Dumb with thumbs. that. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Interesting. Interesting stuff. But it was very telling the scene where he's like do you hear that? And and like literally, no, nothing is, is happening. Well, it was nice that uh, for once they couldn't say we ain't found shit. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you, Spaceballs. Uh, they did find shit. <laughs> thank you, Tuvok. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. I don't know. But that was like, isn't that the most compelling thing you've seen in a Bigfoot documentary? Yeah. Well, that was the point. It ends on that. And I'm like, whoa. And then they go, assuming these guys are real anything, they're like, and they're, he's referred to him as doctor, a PhD in... in and conservational biology or whatever they said. Um, and he's making these claims. Those are hella claims. This would, you would think him as a biologist would be like, uh, Yahtzee. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, it is supremely frustrating for scientists, legitimate scientists, let's say even to completely dismiss testing of something like this, just because someone says, I would like to know if if we maybe have found some evidence of Bigfoot. Right, uh, that's like horseshit. that. That's bad yeah. science. No matter what, and and that happens all the time. There's something we've talked about in here a lot is the whole well. If you're going to look into this that I don't believe in, I'm not going to give you funding anymore. Well, that's just dumb or inappropriate <laughs> or or sad or frustrating to say the least. Uh, that's and that's that's one reason why I I keep with this stuff. I'm like you know because. I'm I'm completely open minded to it, but I'm also I like to think critically about yep. it and give it a chance, man. Like the whole reason we're we're talking about this is because we don't know. 
what's it hurt to rule out one little piece of shit? Right. I've been ruling out pieces of shit my entire life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's an off chance that, you know, maybe something's to it. It could be the 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 nugget of gold in the nugget of poo. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. But try. Speaking of poop and gold, I'm the only nugget of gold on this piece of shit podcast. Yeah, well, I think after that uh, statement, uh, once you guys... The real gold, our listeners, let us know what you think. Please watch this. It is so worth it. It is a lot of fun. And let us know what you think. And you can do that by going to Facebook and searching Hysteria Nation. That is our Facebook discussion page. Also, go to Facebook.com slash Hysteria51pod. That is our regular page. You can play the episodes now from Facebook while you're you're surfing the internet and reading about all the horrors of the world and being told to kill yourself because you... <laughs> Like uh, one salad over another salad. I mean, social media is a wonderful fucking place. Yeah, that's that. <laughs> that's what people are arguing about. Kill these yourself, days. salads. <laughs> anyway, bye, grandma. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah. See you. See you Sunday. Right. Um, uh, follow us on Twitter. Help us grow our Twitter. That's the the this week's task at Hysteria Fifty One Pod. You can see all the nonsense. I'm actually trying to. I've been tweeting at the NFL, trying to get them to rename FedEx Field the Terradrome since it's the Washington Commanders. So that just it's the Cobra Commander. <laughs> Everybody is jumping on the GI Joe thing with this. It's pretty. I know. Great. I really want just. I want hashtag Terradrome to catch on when they're they're playing there next year. You know the marketing team for them were, was like, we've got to pick something that's ironclad. People cannot make right. fun of this. We can't. And then, yeah, and then they pick that, and it's like immediately It's either G.I. Joe or the commies. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. like, well, shit. Uh, Brad, you're Somebody's fired. Somebody's getting fired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash stair51pod. Find episodes, extra episodes, up all nights, Mad Blur, Hysterias, Cafeteria 51s, all that jazz. Voicemail. Leave David a voicemail. Sing something sexy to him. 773. Please. 669-7277. We're going to do one of these episodes here very soon where we just play those and react to them. Uh, half of them won't be nice. to you, David, so you can have a, just a natural reaction to shit that you weren't part of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Get, make me feel pretty yeah. like Maria. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you figure out, or if you figure out, if you figure out anything, let us know. If you finger yeah, out if anything, you don't let us know. <laughs> if you finger it out and you find a tracer in there, you might be an inbred. Uh, oh. Number one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if you forget any of this, hysteria51.com. That is your place to go to. Tell a friend. Tell two friends. Tell an enemy. Tell a woodland person who poops on hills. <laughs> <sighs> that's my takeaway it watch this right. go to the show notes find out where you can watch it watch it it's uh entertaining to say the least yeah it's a good watch with that said i'm in brent i have been david he's been conspiracy bad stay woke meat sacks it was terrible it was just terrible i'll never get over it as long as i live that's it for another edition of hysteria 51 John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite, join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation, or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. 
You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.